Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. We all know about Amazing Grace. We've heard it from the pulpits and we've heard the song and countless bagpipers have earned extra shillings by playing it for tourists. But Amazing Grace is not always instant grace. It's not always quick grace. Let me explain what I mean by that. John Newton is the famous author of the words of the hymn Amazing Grace. He lived an amazing life and it was amazing in bad ways as well as it was good. He had worked with his um, father and his brother at sea for years until he was pressed into the British Royal Navy. Uh, If you don't know what that means, back then you didn't so much join the Navy as they caught you and they put you on their ships and you were now a sailor. Uh, It didn't go well. He tried, uh, but in 1743, he decided he just couldn't handle this and he was going to desert. They caught him and they stripped him to the waist and in front of the men flogged him eight dozen times. He would bear those scars for the rest of his life. That's um, astonishing. Well, once again, he decided that's it. He is going to, he's going to, in fact, he thought about murdering the captain or committing suicide. But instead, he was able to transfer to the Pegasus, which was a slave ship, taking slaves from Africa to the New World. He worked there for a while, but he didn't get along with them either. So they put him off on the west coast of Africa in Senegal. A man got him and gave him as property to his wife. She was known as Princess Pei. Uh, The tribe, I believe, is called Sherbro tribe and she treated him as one of her slaves, this English man. And she mistreated him and beat him as she did all the others. He, um, he is just stunned by this because now he's gone from running slaves to being a slave. But early in uh, 1748, he was saved by a sea captain who'd been sent by John Newton's father to find him. And whenever he got him and he got him out of slavery in West Africa, on the way home, John needed something to do, so he read the books that the captain had. One of them was Thomas Kempis's amazing book, which you should have, called The Imitation of Christ. It touched his heart. Uh, he decided he was a convert now. But remember that date, 1748. He began to read the Bible. He studied Christian literature. He had resolved no longer to gamble or drink or curse or do any of those other horrible sinful things. But he did not stop his involvement in the slave trade until 1787. Um, I want you to think about that for a while. He, um, He knew that he was free in Christ and he knew that God loved him but he had not transferred that love 
to his African brothers and sisters. Saving John Newton took 20 years. 20 years from the point where he thought he was on the right road till it finally hit him what his life had been. So he spent the rest of his life pushing hard for abolition to end not only the slave trade, but slavery itself. There were many people who attended his congregation who were deeply affected by this, such as William Wilberforce, that brought Britain to end the slave trade in their colonies and to then use the Royal Navy, still pressing people into service, but the Royal Navy to interdict and stop slave ships and turn them around and arrest their captains. And all of it because John Newton had changed his mind and come to Christ and all because Christ had enough patience to work him through the rest of the process. It was an amazing grace, there's no question, but it took a long time to seep through. And I'm offering this to you as a meditation and as an encouragement today. We all know things that we haven't yet put into practice. We all believe things that have not yet transformed our very lives. We all want to be better. And sometimes we can get very, very impatient with ourselves. And we feel like we're racing our own sinfulness and the clock because we want to get better before we die. Well, here's the thing. Be patient with yourself. Oh yes, sure, set goals, work on them. But be aware that God's got you. He had John Newton. It took a long time to really get John Newton, but he had him. If you're a fisherman, which I'm not, but I think these, this metaphor works, you could say that God had him hooked and he was on the line but it took years and years to bring him in. Many parts of my own behavior and my own attitude, I wish were far holier, but God is giving me time and he's giving you time. So we should do what Paul says, and that is redeem the time, buy it back. Let's use these days so that we can at least end well. You can look back at some of my early sermons, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and you can find me being a jerk and holding horrible opinions and being proud to share them. I'm so glad God's given me this much time to get to here, but I'm not an idiot. I just look like one and sound like one sometimes. I know here is not my final destination, that God has to move me even further so that I, like John Newton, will finally get it. Whatever the it is, I need to get. God will be that patient with you too. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Maybe I, maybe I can. Maybe I can echo Johnny Nash and I can see clearly now, but um, sometimes I'm more, I can see clearer. Help me see even more clearly, Lord what you want from me this day. Try that this week. Upon waking, ask God to show you what he needs you to see that day. Ask him to send the angels necessary to arrange your day 
that you can see what he needs you to do and then that you'll have the courage to do it because we already have amazing grace now we just need to become more amazing god bless have an amazing week